and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hey everybody, how's it going? I'm wondering if you have purchased your live stream ticket yet to the Afterlife Awareness Conference. We are going to be down there in Orlando, Florida, November 1st through the 5th, and we are going to be bringing this footage to you live. There are some great speakers um, that we are going to have the chance to film to be a part of the live stream, and Andrew Harvey is one of them. He's also my guest today on the Path Love and Podcast. I want to tell you a little bit more about him. He's a a mystic, a scholar, theologian, and visionary. He has taught at Oxford University, Cornell University, the California Institute of Integral Studies, and the University of Creation Spirituality, as well as various spiritual centers throughout the world. He is going to be one of the keynote speakers at the Afterlife Awareness Conference on Friday night and also has a great in-depth workshop he'll be facilitating, which focuses on sacred activism, which is a way of being in the world that allows us to honor the holy nature of all experience, including death, loss, and grief. In his keynote address, he will speak about how our losses, whether personal or planetary, invite us into a deeper connection with the divine. Andrew was the subject of the 1993 BBC film documentary, The Making of a Modern Mystic, and appears also in Rumi Turning Ecstatic and the Consciousness of the Christ Reclaiming Jesus for a New Humanity. And again, we have the live stream ticket uh, available to you at $100. $129. Just head on over to path11productions.com slash AC2018. We'll get you right to the page. You can take a look at uh, the agenda and the people that will be a part of the live stream package. We'll have over 25 hours. And now I would like to bring Andrew onto the show. How lovely. And I'm so delighted to have been invited to be a keynote speaker for the Afterlife Conference because I have discovered for myself in my mystical journey that what is essential for all of us in this tragic, terrible moment of our history is to get as quickly and as deeply and as richly as we possibly can into the deathless consciousness that mystics know is our ultimate reality. I was invited by the Dalai Lama to work with Sogyal Rinpoche to transmit the essential Tibetan wisdom about the dying process. And in that extraordinary experience, which led me to be taught by many of the greatest living Tibetan masters, such as Dingo Kense, I realized that the ancient mystical systems know two things. They know that we do not die. They know also the process that happens in the process of dying. So what I'm going to be trying to communicate to people in my talk is how essential it is at this moment to come into conscious alignment with our deepest divine consciousness for two reasons. The first reason is that if we do, then dying, as we know, it holds no terror for us because we know we are deathless. And the second reason is that if we 
courage and passion and fearlessness that we are all going to need to step up to the overwhelming challenges of the crises of our time. We can step up to them vibrantly like this when we know that we are not just these poor passing dying facts, but actually the eternal self in the body. And when we know that, we can grow wild and brave enough to come together to enact at its deepest level the vision of sacred activism that it has been my privilege to give to the world. So this is a very rich subject, as you can imagine, and I'm going to be turning it in all the different facets that I love and know in the hope that it will inspire you to go on the deepest imaginable mystical journey to discover your true self, and then having discovered it, to step up fearlessly as sacred activists to really help the divine co-create and birth a wholly new embodied divine humanity and a wholly new way of being and doing everything. Now, where do you begin with someone who truly is very fearful of death and believes that there is a beginning and an end? And how do you begin to offer some insight to somebody that is really paralyzed with that feel to maybe break open a little more light into them actually considering that they are this consciousness that does not die? Well, the first thing I would say to them is that the overwhelming testimony of all the world's greatest mystics from all the world's mystical traditions is that at the core of every human being is a living, wild, holy spark of divine consciousness. And that the meaning of life is to discover that for yourself, to realize that for yourself. The second thing I would say to them is that everybody begins in fear because everyone is born not only with this original spark of divine consciousness but with an inherited false self, an inherited ego that is a result of karma and conditioning. And it is this ego that lives in separation that is afraid. The third thing I would say to them is don't succumb to your fear. Don't take your fear as the ultimate truth. Don't allow it to dominate your life. Use it to spur you forward into the kinds of simple but very potent practices that the mystical traditions teach us so that with grace and with the help of the divine, which will come to you, you will gradually uncover the far deeper, richer, and more secure consciousness that always underlies what you imagine to be your present self at the moment. The fourth thing I would say to them is that if you can't yet quite believe something so amazing, don't worry. Nobody at the beginning of the path can imagine how amazing revelation is, can imagine how deeply peaceful and deeply securing divine consciousness is. Just be humble enough to trust Jesus, the prophet, Ramakrishna, Teresa of Avila, all the great 
panoply glorious array of the world's mystics just be humble enough to do that and then be humble enough to start doing the practices and you'll discover for yourself that everything that the greatest mystics have said is amazingly and wonderfully true now let's say you have somebody that is further on that path and they have found their divine spark they've lost some of that fear how do you see people who are no longer afraid of transitioning from the physical body how do they begin to live on earth well, I think the first thing that is very important for people who are beginning to awaken to the truth of divine consciousness is to go to those traditions that really do understand the process of dying. And the greatest of these traditions, I believe, and I've studied it deeply for 40 years, is the Tibetan mystical tradition. And that's why I was so thrilled when the Dalai Lama asked me and to work with Sogyal Rinpoche and Patrick Gaffney to co-write and co-edit the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. It's important to have a map, and the Tibetans know the map, and the map is given in that book. So having that map, which does very clearly and lucidly and without any kind of illusion describe the difficult transition that dying is. It isn't an easy transition unless you're totally enlightened. But it is a transition that even if you're not totally enlightened and have done some practice, you can do with grace and real practice. That's the first thing. The second thing is that knowing that you are deathless, even if you haven't realized it completely, and knowing that there are maps in the Tibetan tradition and also in the Greek Orthodox tradition, the Russian Orthodox tradition, the Taoist tradition, the Christian mystical tradition in general, and in the Kabbalist tradition, amongst others, and of course also in Islam, knowing that there are maps that are enormously lucid and encouraging, that gives fearlessness in life. That gives an enormous joy in the blessing of life, a fearlessness as to how you live life, and a passion to embody as much as you can of the divine while you are alive, because you understand what Kabir means when he says you can't carry over the waters of death anything that you haven't realized in life. You can only make that transition into death fearlessly if you really do know that you are deathless then the transition will be not effortless but amazing in its various unfolding stages once you really come to know that this is real the whole of life changes and in my case what knowing this increasingly has made me is a revolutionary of love in action because I see that the world is burning to death in illusion. I see that we have very little time left in which to make major shifts. I see that the great majority of people are lost in the horrors and terrors of a crisis that is beyond our control. But I know, too, that if enough of us really do wake up to our inner divine consciousness, really do wake up to this deathless 
truth that lives inside us, then many of us will become fearless in the way which we approach these crises, keep doing the practices to become ever more empowered, and so become conscious warrior lover midwives of the new world that is longing to be born, that has already been born in the heart mind of God, a new world in which we will live in harmony with the whole of creation, with every animal, every stone, every flea, and we will live in a transformed divine human being. This is the vision of the very greatest of human mystics. This is the vision of the great evolutionary mystics such as Aurobindo, and this is the vision to which I've given my life because I'm beginning to begin to understand its amazing reality. So go for it because if you do, your whole life will be transformed and you'll discover resources of truth, of clarity, of power, and above all, of a passionate, compassionate courage that will enable you to step up to these terrifying times without fear and to enact your sacred mission of putting love into action clearly, wisely, shrewdly, and unremittingly. We need love warrior, lover midwives on the planet now, and this is the way I deeply believe that can help them being born. Now, for those listeners who maybe are not familiar with the, the Tibetan tradition and uh, the roadmap that you spoke about, could you give a little bit of an overview of what the Tibetans believe and how they work within the dying process to help people transition over and um, what happens there in that tradition? Well, this is a very long and complex subject, but there are two things that I can say, and I will go into it in more detail. The first thing that the Tibetans know is confirmed by many descriptions of near-death experience, and that is that at the moment of death, or very shortly after, after certain signs of decay have appeared, a shattering white light appears. This can terrify and other lights of different colors also appear. And if you don't choose that white light, you'll choose the other softer, more amenable lights, which will ensure a kind of reincarnation at various levels of the universe. So they know this, and what the whole of Tibetan training is about is about helping you, and this is the second point, to experience that light, that dazzling white light while you are alive so that when it appears to you after death as it will you won't be afraid of it and you'll be able to go into it and become mysteriously one with it born into its ultimate expansion expansive dimension this is these are the fundamentals of the tibetan vision and how they help people how the Tibetan tradition helps people is twofold. Obviously, through the various amazing practices that it has, it has created in the depths of itself and which it offers to people so just to help them realize that, right? But also during the process of dying and after dying to read to people the Tibetan Book of the Dead in which this process is described. It's an ancient scripture and it's wonderful and very and very accurate and what what 
Tibetans do is to read the scripture out loud to the person as they are dying and after their body has died because they believe that the consciousness of the person is still able to receive the instruction. So this is a wonderfully compassionate system because even for those who haven't in their own lives realized at all or realized completely the white light, the fundamental white light of divine consciousness, while they're dying, an enormous opportunity is awoken which can be addressed if they have the right information. And this is why the book is read as they pass over so that they can hear the accurate information and have a chance of not being terrified by the appearance of the white light and have the courage to go into it. It's an extraordinary system, but it is, it's been used with enormous success for a thousand years. And I had the privilege to study it with beings who had returned many times um, to the earth as reincarnations to help people and who knew this territory very well. In fact, they used to describe it to me and to Patrick as we wrote the book as if they were walking around a park in summer very normally and naturally, which was itself a kind of teaching, so it's not so as not to make us afraid. It was a wonderful experience, and I hope to be sharing some of the wonder and the precise map of the whole experience with you. But those are the essentials. Great. Thank you for that. And I'd also like to give you the opportunity uh, to talk a little bit more about your Institute of Sacred Activism, because I know a lot of this, and uh, through what you've learned personally, has, you know, basically birthed this institute in trying to help people to bring them back to uh, peace, sustainability in our world and in themselves. So can you talk a little bit more about your institute? Well, first let me define sacred activism because it might be a term unfamiliar to people. There are really two definitions of sacred activism that I give. The first is that when profound spiritual awareness is married to radical action for justice and compassion, a force that transcends both is born, and this force is what I call sacred activism. It's a wholly transforming force, and we've seen it work in nearly impossible conditions. We saw it work in Gandhi, we saw it work in Martin Luther King, we see it work in the Dalai Lama, and we've seen it work in South Africa and in Poland and in other places where nonviolent movements of radical change grounded in profound spirituality have managed through grace and through persistence and through wisdom to transform almost impossible conditions. This is the force that I think is on the earth, that I know is now on the earth, to help us come together and build together a new world. We must combine the greatest possible intensive vision of the mystic with the urgent radicalism of the rebel. And if we do, then a third force, a holy fire, will be born in us that will inspire us and guide us. The second, the second definition is a little bit more esoteric, but I think for all of you who have some spiritual practice, this will ring true. If you fuse together the deepest wisdom and passion and compassion of the mystic with the urgent passion for justice of the activist, 
What will be born in you is what I call the third fire, the fire that brings together heart, mind, soul, and body, and unites the whole being and focuses the passionate force that's born in the whole being on transforming world conditions. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus meant by the fire that he was bringing down. This is what Jesus showed us in his marriage of profound spirituality and radical critique of the power structures of society and radical nonviolent opposition to them to help birth the living kingdom, queendom and reality. And this is the fire that has been expressed in many mystical lives and many mystical philosophies. And it's this fire, I believe, this fire that's born out of the marriage of the fire of the mystic's passion for union and the activist's passion for justice that is destined to transform humanity into embodied divine humanity and to enable hundreds of thousands of us if we're brave enough to incarnate it, to co-create with God and through God and in God a wholly new way of being and doing everything. My institute was created to train people and to train those who wish to be the humble channelers of this force and the humble incarnators of this force in reality and it's dedicated to giving people all of the tools in all of the different disciplines from all of the different religions and all of the different sources of wisdom that are now needed for us to not only to survive but to undergo a great evolutionary transformation the transformation that this terrible dark night we are in globally is preparing potentially so that we can rise to the challenge of this time not only by acting but by being so transformed in God and with God that our actions stream blessing and have miraculous effects far beyond whatever we can imagine about action at this moment. Now, my, my next question to you would be, you know, if we don't have this fear of death and let's say, let's say one of two things happens, either we evolve uh, to a more loving uh, and sustainable earth and community and consciousness or if we if we de-evolve and we don't get there quite in time um you know what what happens if what, what happens with both both uh, scenarios if we don't make it there but we do have all of these luminaries and these teachers and these sages and we're trying to push consciousness like you are and and teach people that there is this access um and we make it what do you feel happens and what happens if we don't make it in time then what's what's the outcome of that well my deepest belief is that if enough of us do make it there will be a massive shift in humanity it always requires a few pioneers to really risk the whole adventure and put it into action as far as much as far as they can it's always evolution is always pioneered by a few but that but their realizations and their enactment of their realizations will permeate through the mass and elevate the whole of humanity. And if this happens, and it could happen, but the signs aren't great, that's why I'm pushing so hard for it. If this does happen, then we will be able to come together as a humanity to 
employ our vast resources of inner and outer knowledge to heal the terrible problems that we are now facing, that are now galloping out of control, and we will be able to be humble channels of miracle that could even heal the environment that we've so devastated. All kinds of miraculous possibilities will be before us if we do this kind of radical, amazing work, graced by God. If we don't, I think that it's quite clear by now that we'll die out. I think humanity has been given a very urgent message by the divine. Transform to your next stage of evolution. Incarnate the divine light in heart, mind, soul, and body, and act compassionately and justly from that embodied divine consciousness, or die out soon. The recent report from the Intergovernmental Panel of Climate Change, very conservative panel, by the way, has given us 11 years in which to fundamentally change our whole way of life so as not to ensure climate apocalypse, 11 years. And the majority of the native indigenous traditions, most notably the Kogis, tell us that it might be even shorter than that. The Kogis say if we do not shift dramatically in the next seven years, then the game's over. So now our human evolution has taken us to this impasse. Either we leap into the mystery of a new stage of human evolution that expresses itself in worldwide sacred activism dedicated to healing all of the terrible problems, to stopping animal genocide, to stopping nuclear war, to deconstructing the systems of cold evil that govern capitalism, to really breeding equality on a massive scale with not just equality between human beings, but radical equality between human beings and sentient beings. Unless we do this work, we're not going to survive. We will not survive unless we rise to this challenge. The good news is that the knowledge is here, the spiritual tools are here, the path is here. The less good news is that humanity is still in what I call the Coca-Cola, unable to really grasp the full extent of the horror that's now being created and seemingly unwilling to do the radical inner work and outer work to enact this possibility. But I'm not at all despairing because I know that the divine I know has many, many strange, paradoxical, sometimes ecstatic and sometimes violent tricks up its sleeve. So the game is far from being over, but entering the truth of the real game is now essential for human survival. Right. So let's say if we do only have the 7 to 11 years, but we do know that there is no death, and this, you know, we implode on each other, and, you know, there there goes the climate, there goes, um, you know, life as we know it on Earth. Uh, do you believe that consciousness as a whole and the divine spirit will just bring us back again to try again? I have absolutely no idea. And I think that it's very important on this journey to realize there's so many things we can't know. I think as you grow deeper and richer and higher in, in a sense in the divine journey, you, you, you realize just how much you can't know and will never know. So that said, I would say that 
I don't think we will return to this earth because the earth will be too devastated. It's already extremely devastated. But I cannot imagine that our consciousness won't travel in the realms of eternity and won't be, won't undergo everything that it needs to undergo to process and, and refine further. But we shouldn't take that promise of deathlessness, that certainty of the deathlessness of the soul as an excuse for any kind of passivity because it's really important to in the higher sense use that consciousness now to be able to be serene and fearless enough to stand up in God and for God and for justice and for compassion for all creatures right now together so that we can make this world what God has always I believe man imagined it to be a place in which divine embodied human beings could coexist in great joy and compassion and purpose and in great unity with the whole of creation great thank you for saying that and I, I totally agree and you know that just brings us back to what you were talking about about how to be that activist and have that third fire burning you know within you to not take a passive stance if there is some truth that, to that but to really try to make those change while we are here incarnated in the physical body and have that free will and that choice to be able to make better choices to bring healing well I think if we don't make that choice if we're not brave enough to make that choice then if we are to disappear, we will disappear in a very ragged, disheveled state of consciousness and have to undergo God knows what kinds of transformations and ordeals afterwards. So why don't we do the work right here, right now, in the middle of this God-given crisis, which is so immense and is immensely cleverly designed to either birth us into a new evolutionary state or to destroy us? Yes. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for taking time today um, to become a guest here on the Path 11 podcast. I'm looking forward to meet you in person uh, at Me the too. Afterlife Awareness I'm so Conference. I'm looking forward to this conference. I, I beg everybody to really come because if you can't see that the world is dying and burning to death now, and if you can't see that Unless we go very much deeper within, we'll not discover the path to transform the without. If you can't see that, then I believe at this moment you're blind. What is available, however, is the deepest truths of the mystical traditions, the great tools of that, the knowledge of deathlessness, and it's time to gamble our lives away for God and for this tremendous possibility, the possibility of the birth out of a global dark night of an embodied divine humanity. Let's go for it together while we can. The window is closing. Let's rise to the challenge and let's go forward in humble joy and profound prayer and wise wise but urgent action yes and thank you andrew and for our listeners if you would like to um, tune in to see his keynote speech it's going to be on the friday night november 2nd at the afterlife awareness conference that will be a part of the live stream you will have to purchase a live stream ticket and you can go to path11productions.com to do that or better yet we will have in the show notes the direct link to actually come in person to the afterlife awareness conference in orlando florida so andrew thank you again so much and i'll see you in November. Thank you so much and God bless everyone who's listening. 
If you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com, to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. You can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Catch you next time.